Good evening, our wonderful listeners. Welcome to Roleplay Life Podcast. Today's podcast is a little bit different than last week, but not too much different. Last week was much more <laughs> about a game review, a, a video game review. And this week it's the exact same. <laughs> well, we, because are, we are talking about a board game as well. Yeah. I am also reviewing that one video game that I, I, mean, I, I, yeah. I will mention. Don't forget, I mean, it's going to be reviewed badly, but... My calling mine a review is not strictly true, but we'll when we get there, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you should already know who we are, given this is episode four. And if you started episode four, then welcome. Why don't you start with episode one? You know, just just, just go back a bit. You know, yeah, just go back a bit. Just there's a lot of free time in the world these days. You know, yeah. you can catch up pretty quick at episode four. It's yes. not like Critical Role, who's now got more uh, footage, I suppose. Uh, there's yeah. more hours of Critical Role than there is 30 years of The Simpsons. So, wow. I, I can imagine, though, because each session ran weekly. It's four hours. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, anyway, we, we, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll discuss we that shortly. But we do, we do, we digress, and that is the point of this podcast. That's um, we should just be called Digression Life. We just divert yeah. every time and just move along. And it's not even all about games. It's the worst thing. Uh, but, That's the however, best bit. We'll quickly do the introductions. Um, so if you don't already know, my name is Dan Glickman, and I am the uh, host, the MC for the evening. On my left, as or right, as I'm looking at it right now, is young Gareth. Uh, oh, 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 nice try, John, nice try. Uh, so we have Gareth there, who is, you might recognize, sporting both a new microphone and a new webcam. Uh, yeah. I'm sure we might, we I've might touch on that topic the fields. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a little bit of mood lighting in the background. And then, last but certainly not least, we have the wonderful John. Say hello, John. That might be the first time anyone's ever called me wonderful. I will take I'm John. That. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we've, we've got to look out for each other on this podcast. Okay. And some of us like <laughs> others. Oh, well, I'm saying nothing. And on this podcast, we each have two topics to talk about this time where we're mixing things up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one one point five one point yeah, five one point five for you yeah I mean I'm barely going to touch on one topic except events because why not use the podcast for venting um, and turn um, to the dark side yeah so let's start off with my topics and then I'm going to go around each one because we we do have two so I'm going to yeah. spend five minutes slating No Man's Sky I mean you don't have to tell me this already um, so is this day one No Man's me and John know the story here but I feel that. Before me and John interject further, Dan should tell us about his weekend with No Man's Sky. Yes. So No Man's Sky is the first topic, um, and I will go into another one shortly. But No Man's Sky, I thought, at the end of the last podcast, I thought to myself, you know what? I've not <laughs> played that game in a while, and it got an update. I've not played it since April, and it got an update, and you could be like mechs and stuff like that. I was like, yes, I'm down for this. And so spent six hours this weekend... First tried to load the game, it loaded, loaded a brand new world, and then received a graphical glitch that made everything either unplayable or unviewable. I missed entire mountains, and when you're in a ship that crashes into things, missing <laughs> mountains isn't ideal. Um, and then when I reloaded, I received no graphical glitches, but instead, or none of the standard graphical glitches, glitches and instead received a text glitch which meant that I couldn't read any of the menus, any of the things that it was showing me. Like, if I didn't know the controls, I would have had no idea. Perfect. And so I spent 
a good two hours researching how to do this. This was Saturday, this was. I was researching what to do, and it said, oh, you need to clear this cache, you need to clear this graphics caching and let it re-download, and then you need to make sure that Steam has double-checked and verified the integrity, and I was like, okay, perfect, perfect, okay, I'll do that. And it worked for about 20 minutes, and then I got in my ship again, went to fly off, and the graphic glitch just, I don't, I don't know what it is, I assume that it's loading of an instance, I decided, nah, let's, let's not give him the graphics again. Um, and that was my Saturday, and I was very frustrated and ended up um, just rage quitting No Man's Sky. Then Sunday, the re-download. The re-download. That that tells you something. Just yes. you know down. it's good. You know it's good when your disappointment, your weekend disappointment, has its own sequel on the following <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah, it, it is a sequel in yeah. so many awful ways. No Man's John's Sky gone. sequel, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Oh no, No Man's Sky too. Dan's tears. Yeah, it was. It was my tears. I can honestly, well, not tears, but I had to rage quit the internet that day. And and Gareth and John can confirm. That's also why the podcast did go up late. Episode three. Apologies um, for our listeners, our avid listeners. Apparently, we are getting a few listeners, regular listeners. That's great. And John, you're about to ask me a question. Yeah, are you using Nvidia or AMD for your graphics uh, provider? Nvidia. Good. <laughs> Um, and I also the other way, but I just want to finish off just quickly the No Man's Sky. I've re-downloaded it. Um, it worked for about thirty minutes, and then the graphical glitch occurred again. So um, my next step, I have done every basically. Um, Hello Games, um, they are very helpful in their support, and I've done each step that, that's listed. My final step is contact our Zen desk, our service desk. So that will be my next step at the weekend to tell them about all the problems I've had. Um, Can you I mean, do me a favor if you speak to one of their advisors? And I'm going to apologize for anyone on audio. When they say hello, can you either queue up or do the following sound effect? Danger! Which is one of their old video games, which my ex was mad about. And my son used to play when he was two. And it's kind of like a side-scrolling Tony Hawk's on a motorbike, I suppose. Okay. So you can either win by getting the best time, doing the most stunts, or like collecting stars. So there's like a couple of little things in it. But okay. uh, no one talks about Joe Danger, and it's sad. Yeah, well. Anyway, Zendesk, and that's ago. what you need to do. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I do apologise to the listeners. That will be uh, dropped down, so it shouldn't be as loud for you as it was for myself and John. Yeah, um, don't but, worry about it. Yeah, so in essence, uh, I tried. I spent almost six hours trying to play um, No Man's Sky, I got about twenty nine minutes worth of playtime in total. Before we awesome. come in on this, I, I did I did want to check the uh, the Reddit posts to see if anyone else was having the same issue because you know if you really want to get hate about a particular game or anything in this world, Reddit is the place to go. But I I, yeah. I, I find that Reddit is the abyss. It is the internet's personal email address. You just go there to scream into the void and have yeah. the void scream back with you. Okay, if you have a podcast, yeah, yeah. you can do that instead. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, that's that's our purpose. Um, so yeah, so the my original topic was No Man's Sky. Um, that has been keyboshed. It was keyboshed after hour six, and I then took a break <laughs> from the internet, um, except to watch a single YouTube video, which was to pick up. Uh, I was taking a break from the internet because I was fuming at my PC. Because ne- I'm at that point now where I was, I, I could not find the same problem. I was like, it's my PC. Wait. I, I, I was like, I don't want to take it apart. I've just, I've just upgraded the RAM to it, and I'm like. So, Dan, what was the other thing you wanted to talk about tonight? 
what I wanted to talk about, <laughs> which is um, a little bit of a um, an actual tabletop game. Can you imagine? Oh, <laughs> having to talk In a role-play actual... podcast, how dare you? I know, I know. Um, so the tabletop game that I wanted to discuss is called Red Dragon Inn. Um, and so I know that neither of you have played it. Um, it was released I believe in... you've mentioned it to us a couple of I times. Have, yeah, I probably try to get you to play with me, if I'm honest. Tabletop simulator. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is a bit, one of the ways it is available is a tabletop simulator, but it's also a physical game as well. And Red Dragon Inn is a two to four person, um, sort of like a, 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 you could almost say it's like a role playing game where the aim of the game is <laughs> you have a character and your aim is to win the game as you're sat around a pub table at the Red Dragon Inn. Mm. You win the game in one of three ways. If a person's um, fortitude, is which is their health meets their alcohol, which is how drunk they are. If um they run, if everyone else runs out of gold and you have gold because gold is used in various situations yeah. or certain win conditions on cards that have to be have to have certain things as a requirement, and it's very character specific and it's it's rarely a way used to win. Um, and the idea behind this game is to play your cards and it's an individual character deck. You were to great effect. They they can do all sorts of things, and and I was watching a lot of playthroughs of this. Again, I know that I've wanted you to guys to play it, and so that might be one thing that we do do. Hmm. But I, I mean, I was watching it. Sorry, Dan. I I was reading up on this because I hadn't actually uh, heard that much about the game before. And the brief synopsis says: Fantasy adventurers head to the pub for a night of drinking, gambling, and fights. And I'm yes. like, yes. Yes, that is Dan. That is Dan in a nutshell <laughs> yes, when he's role playing. That is yes. what he likes to do. So yes, I, 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 I was a little I... bit wondering if we we've technically played this game, Dan, when we were in Goldstream, because there was multiple weeks where it's like we've done we've done the quest. The following week is going to be a full pub session. Uh, yeah, almost. Um, if it was, I'm not going to say that I would have won over Donut. But one of us went to bed drunk that night, and the other one didn't. So I'm just, you know, I'm one of you got lucky that night, and the other one didn't. So oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're straight away explicit. Come on, we'll, we'll put an explicit tag on it. But no, it, it basically it is a board game, and they have released six um, um, expansions to it. Yeah, expansions. Yeah, um, for it with oh, lots of different characters, no new rule sets, and that's really important. It's always the exact same rules. It's just that the characters sometimes have new mechanics. Okay. Um, so one of the mechanics, for instance, is that um, it's called Murtag the Blessed, and he's a knight who can deal a lot of damage to people's fortitude. That tends to be his main thing. But when he does it... Does he the buy blessed. the drinks? No, no, he's, <laughs> he's blessed because his sword is actually um, a good spirit in disguise, or he knows it. And so every right. time he deals damage, he also gives them a blessing. How, how does he deal damage? Aren't you supposed to be in the uh, pub? Yeah. Yes. However, That's why I was wondering: Is it do you deal damage by just buying people it's, the it's drinks? It's a fight. So, so <laughs> it's the fight mechanic that was mentioned. So there are things like take, like some the names of the cards are worth it just for the the, the game itself. Some of the names of the cards, like if you're in, there's one where um, you're a brawler, and the the fight card, so to speak, is called take that. As in, someone's reaching across the bar and going, yeah, "Take that!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like um, one of the one of them is a swashbuckler who who carries around pistols. Um, and she says, um, watch, I can shoot a coin. Um, and then it's like the image is her flicking a coin up and then shooting you with the other one, with the other pistol. It's, yeah. you know, it's it's stuff like that. Um, but that's the way you kind of deal damage. But then as Gareth has just said, yep, yeah, 
you buy drinks for your other people. And it's the drinks are all randomized as well. It's a drink deck, um, and everyone okay. shares a drink deck. But there's things like um, you can draw things that restore health, maybe, or restore alcohol, coffee, something like that. Or you can drink, think, um, have things like um, whiskey chasers, which means that you need a whiskey, and then you draw another drink so that your alcohol content just can increase, increase, increase. Yeah. Um, and basically, it's a sliding scale. And if your fortitude should ever meet your alcohol um, or cross, then you're out. And so okay. the end of the game is your own self-management and things like that. And there is a bit of gambling in there as well, fun gambling. You know, it's it's not – you don't actually have to gamble anything. You just play cards that say gambling or whatever and cheating and, and things like that. But um, I'm selling it slightly short. Uh, elevator pitch, drunken, drunken fighting and gambling in a role-play setting using character decks. Um, and it is quite uh, – you know, the, the, depending on who you've got. Um, Who's the is, people behind the game? Hmm. Um, it is. I will tell you because I didn't have to look this up. Is whilst you're doing that, I I just wanted to to say I actually watched a, a review, a brief review of this game. It actually came out like a long time ago. It's not a new game. Two thousand and seven. Like, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, I you're supposed to be. Uh, you finished your adventure and coming to the pub to have some a nice celebratory drink. Yeah. But people, by the sounds of it, are shooting other people and hitting them with swords and. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of uh, pub. I think or... it's playing up on some very sort of old school fantasy tropes, where everyone, once they've had a couple, is too determined to show off their martial prowess or right. their skills and whatnot. All uh, I'm saying that's is that... the trope that I feel. So all I'm saying is that the local Weatherspoons. That I go to. I that would, sounds I like expect... most Weatherspoons. <laughs> Nobody's pulled a sword on me yet. Or anything that, yeah, I, I. That's the emphasis of the word yet. Yeah, I remember the last time I went to a Weatherspoons, which was in Morecambe, admittedly, and I went for a family meal. This was pre-apocalypse, as I keep jokingly referring to this scenario. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we were sat. They were like, "Oh, there's eight of you sit at this table." So we went and sat at the table. And Oscar would have been my son. Would have been very young. And he could have. There was two guys, and they were. The guy was basically explaining how to gamble successfully on under sixteen Spanish La Liga football. Yep. And the techniques of which to go about this. And the guy, the bit that I really loved the most was, the guy was like really convinced that he knew what he was doing. He's like, and this was the, the the sign that did it. And he went on and he was explaining the strategies. And he's like, you look for the players. And you, you know, you've got to keep an eye on them. And you, you know, if you get into the first team, then that's when your strategy kind of falls down because then you need to start looking for teams that have got players that are good enough but not being picked. And he, it was real. We had this messed up system, and it sounded an awful lot like he just spent his time going through the stats on Football Manager. And then it's when he turned to the guy who he was teaching, and he used the following sentence: "Sometimes I earn up to worse uh, sixty pounds a day." And I was like, get a job. A Just job. get any job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, aside from the slight detour to Morecambe, um, it is <laughs> a fant- at the end of the day, it is a fancy game. But yes, it was released in 2007 by Slugfest uh, Games. And it, it was released physically and just hasn't really done much. But because of COVID, a lot more people are playing it and buying it yeah, and things yeah. like that. And also the advent of Tabletop Simulator. Now, Tabletop Simulator, it has an automated thing where it has 
all of the characters available, which is kind of why I'm trying to hook you guys into it. But yeah, um, but you know, and that that's kind of why I was I happened to be watching a few playthroughs. I wanted to play it for the longest time, and um, yeah, so I, I did a, I did an, an even smaller elevator pitch than you did, which is like you know, drunken fighting and gambling in a pub after you've done your adventures. Um, I, w- I would like but, to, I would like so, to say that uh, your game is slightly less complex than my game. A little bit. Come on, I mean, you know, you you could have different having, characters. Having had the having had the chat that we had last week, though, Dan could argue that his game is mildly more interactive than your game. Oh snap! <laughs> After mean, last, like uh, last week, it, you were like, we were talking about the pros and cons of. Thirteen Sentinels: um, Aegis Rim, a visual novel for novel. anyone who yeah, a listen. visual novelization, and uh, I compared it to how Fire Emblem is a narrative strapped to some tactical simulators, and asking the question is, uh, Thirteen Sentinels: Aegis Rim, uh, a story with a tower defense game slapped in it to I mean, add interaction. We can get into this now if you'd like. Yeah. If Dan, yeah, if you're I mean, finished it, with... That, that's a direct uh, segue. We uh, we appreciate that, Gareth. Excellent. Uh, it was, and it's a segue, not an attack, John. I'm just merely sort of <laughs> refreshing us yeah, between yeah, yeah. the I two situations. It's a segue, not an attack. I must remember that one. That, that's a good line. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so for anyone who, who didn't listen last week... Uh, how dare Sentinels, you? Firstly, how dare you? Secondly, <laughs> 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, its full title, is a PS4 exclusive done by Vanillaware and published by Atlas. Uh, some weeks ago, it was actually released in Japan last year, but the uh, game has a lot of wordage in it and has taken a long time to translate. Mm. Uh, it is a visual novel, as we mentioned, and has some tower defense and RPG elements to it. Now, the game itself is set in Japan, uh, but it uses different times, all the way from 1945 or 44, I forget, uh, and running all the way through into the future, way past what we are now, uh, maybe 150 years uh, uh, past where we are. Um, Spoilers. uh, (laughs) <laughs> I, did, I accidentally spoiled that for you last week, didn't I? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. I got there eventually. Uh, as of right now, I'm about fifty. Welcome to the. This is future John. This is twenty-one fifty whatever John. Yeah. Um, I'm about halfway through the game at this point, but um, the game you are controlling one of thirteen protagonists who each have their own motivations, but they ultimately believe that they are going to save the world. From the Deimos. Now, the Deimos are kaiju, as they also call them, or giant monsters that are coming. As we call them. As we call them, uh, that are coming to destroy everybody's stuff, which is a problem, as you might imagine. And to counter that, uh, they have created these things called sentinels, which, you know, kind of comes from the name. Um, And you are tasked with using these sentinels to destroy them with guns and fists. And rail guns, which are lots of fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, the majority of the game, I, I, I know I said last week it's 60% visual novel and 40% tower defense. It's more like 80 uh, 20. Yeah. There is a lot more visual novel. And I've done actually quite not very much tower defense actual fighting gameplay. And I am at 31% of, I'm a third of the way through the actual combat scenarios. Um, okay. From what I can gather, they are, <clears throat> excuse me, they are repeatable. So if you don't like the outcome of a particular fight, you can do it again, um, yeah. which makes sense with the time travel 
dynamic anyway. Um, so, like I said, each one of the 13 protagonists wants to stop the kaiju. They believe that what they are doing is the right way to save their timeline, save the world, um, and what they're save doing... Save the cheerleader. Yeah. Yep. Thank I... you, Dan. That was going through my head so bad. <laughs> yeah. And each one of them believes that what they're doing is the right thing to do. Now, the the great thing, like I said, I'm halfway through the game. Uh, I'm about 16 or 17 hours in at this point. And the, the great thing that the game has, has got me wrapped around its little its little fingers. Mech-based finger. Yeah. Yes. Um, is that I don't know who the bad guy is. Oh, I don't. Still. There's, there's no direct antagonist in this game. So it, it, it has to be one of the people that you're controlling, but it, it damn well hasn't told me or hasn't given me enough hints Indicated. for me to be able to tell who the direct bad guy is. Now, there's See, a couple that... of people that are pushed forwards at the beginning that what they're doing is bad, and that's indicated by other people being upset with them. But it, later on, things get pulled back and pulled back and new twists get involved. I'm, I'm enjoying the heck out of this game. I know I said that last week, but um, that's continued so far. Uh, and it, it shows no, no signs of upsetting me. I'm enjoying all the characters. All 13 characters are likable that you want them to succeed because otherwise the game wouldn't work, quite frankly. Mm. Um and I, I'm liking each and every one of them and, and want them to succeed at some point. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's done a great job of not showing its hand. I mean... Okay. I, 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 I mean, can I just interject quickly yeah, from for something you said last week? Because you said you only meet the Sentinels 10 through 23, so 1 through 9 are missing. And the other thing that could be interesting, especially with you saying that it's a time travel-based... Uh, interaction um is and especially if we've not got no noticeable antagonists because i joked maybe the villains are the missing um sentinels however the other thing that sounds interesting especially when we're talking about time travel and perspectives um and i'd have to find it to share with you guys uh someone found um or compiled an image and it was all the different ways artists have drawn galactus from uh, the marvel comics and someone was like, well, he always looks a little bit different in this, that, and the other. And so one of the writers for Marvel Comics gave this very intriguing answer. And he was, everybody sees every different race that interacts with Galactus sees him differently. Like the perspective of what race you're from changes how he is. And I thought that was such a cool idea, such a nice little twist. And especially with John saying is, maybe one of your 13 characters is the antagonist because they all have a different, you know, it's a intriguing sociological thing. Everyone has a different idea of what the perfect society is. Yeah. And all what, what the basis premise of everyone is, is they want everyone to succeed. Unfortunately, everybody looks at life in a different perspective. I always remember an old RE teacher that me and John had called Mr. Grant. And he was ill once, and his the substitute we had was a gentleman called Mr. Gedge, and he was explaining this very intriguing concept, and he went, if you think of religion, and you could take any topic, but I was doing RE, said, if you think of religion as a cow in a field, and you had everybody in the world in a circle around it, everybody sees a cow. 
but they see a different angle of it. And that's the problem, is then, you know, whatever the topic is, no matter what you put in the middle, the topic objectively has, like, a point. Yeah. However, everybody has a different point. And because of your perspective, you're not wrong. It's just a different slice of the same same pie. And it, but then but then he says what happens is that you have people who speak for their angle better than other angles. And then what happens is people might get in front of that person so they can have a better view or they get behind that person in a leader context. So there's people who maybe take that concept. It's like, well, if I start to take your idea and elaborate on it, I can get in front of you and see your angle better. And this is where 13 Sentinels is sounding interesting, is if the narrative is got 13 people and all of them see the objective of we have to stop the Deimos and this is the way we do it in the different time periods, and I don't know if there's time period overlaps and stuff, Oh yeah, there's uh, all kinds of that. Like, the it's funny you mentioned Galactus actually. So I asked each of you guys before we started if either of you had read the House of X. Now the House of X is an X Men comic series, um, where it takes a, an interesting point of view of Moira McTaggart, who is a, okay. A Charles human. Xavier's girlfriend is the easiest version of describing it. Yes. Now. Uh, in this version she is a mutant now her mutant ability is that she when she dies she's reincarnated with all of the memories of her previous self now, which is she... also the power of kenny in south park as well sure <laughs> okay anyway also, so... uh, i'll go back to that in a second so um she uh, lives for a, a long time i can't remember how exactly but uh, each time that she's reincarnated she's killed by the fact that robots take over the earth they're either uh, extinct because um different times of uh robots come to rise or uh robots from an ai civilization comes from outer space blah 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 blah, blah. and she's trying to figure out how to destroy the robot civilizations that happen each time she's reincarnated and it's funny how how many similarities there are between that and one of the main protagonists in this game, 13 Sentinels, um, Iori Fuyusaka, or Miss Morimura, because uh, she has multiple identities in this game, uh, okay. is one of the main characters in this game, and she's portrayed as both a, a teenager and an adult. And it basically, she seems to have a lot of things going on. I'm not quite sure what yet. It hasn't been revealed, but snippets of it keep... Um, showing her as an adult and trying to uh, basically turn things in the way of humanity at any cost. Okay. So, and there are multiple characters like this that, that do things at any cost. Morality doesn't matter because the ends justify the means. And that's what I'm really liking about this game. Um, the problem I do have with the game, though, unfortunately, uh, I, if it was just a, a visual novel at that point, I'll give it a 10 out of 10. But it does have this combat element as well which unfortunately isn't as deep as... It gets right in the way. It, <laughs> it really combat does. Just... So what happens is, when you complete uh, certain sections of the visual novel game, the bit that's having me like you know wrapped around its fingers and wanting me to continue, it, it blocks it. Certain characters won't let you progress their story any further until you uh, um, 
set until you elements. do someone else's all right but, yeah or complete uh combat missions now okay. these combat missions i have had an s rank on every single one of them that i've done they've been easy peasy and i'm set at normal difficulty they just seem very simplistic i explained last week that they're uh, a map with um a road system and counters of neon uh, blue chips for for you guys and red chips for the bad guys and everyone moves in an active time uh, situation and we all shoot each other blah 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 blah. Yeah. It's we very go simple. turn movement yeah. It's tower defense with the fact that you can set down uh, sentry turrets and things like that. <laughs> there is some upgrade stuff. I was hoping it would be deeper than what it ended up being. You just end up all with uh, every single better mech, guns. better guns, and you can enhance those guns, and that's that's the bigger guns. Run. Yeah. So unfortunately, what probably would have been a ten for me ends up being like an eight point five because the the combat, which is a real shame, because um, Vanillaware is known for having really good combat games like uh, Muramasa, Odin Sphere, uh, Dragon's Crown, which if you take away the the controversy with it, is actually a very good Golden Axe type game. Like there are combat yeah. mechanics in each of those other games. This is the first game that they've made that isn't strictly action combat based. It's it's a story based visual novel, fine, um, but the combat is where it gets let down, which you wouldn't expect from them. So yeah. unfortunately, but the food the food brings it up a no, notch. Is that right? Yeah. Is that I have seen this again from you about the the loveliness, mm-hmm. the attractiveness of vanillaware food? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's one character in particular who is a uh, 1940s... You, you find this he's like one of the first characters you can play as, so I don't think this is too spoilery. Um, he is from the 1940s. He's an, a, an officer for the Japanese army, and he's brought forwards in time. And uh, he's starving, and a girl takes pity on him and gives him a yakisoba pan. Now, yakisoba pan... Uh, pan is the Japanese word for bread... Uh, yakisoba is yakisoba noodles it's noodles in bread uh, it's noodles yeah. in a hot dog bun but this guy goes I it, I don't like this new world but if there's one thing that won't cheat on me <laughs> it's my yakisoba pan oh my gosh <laughs> and this I guy mean, is just obsessed with this with this type of food one dish yeah, yeah but to be fair um, I showed you guys a picture the other day of uh, some of the food that's actually on offer in this game and mm. I don't know if you realized, but it's not a photo. Somebody painted yeah, yeah. that. It's absolutely beautiful. With you talking about that character's obsession with food, has anybody ever seen Blue Exorcist? No. Uh, it's an anime. I think um, I've read the manga. Um, the main character, Rin, is basically the son of Satan. Yeah. Uh, and his mother was like the daughter of a, uh, a the Pope or a Pope-like character, because, you know, why not? Uh, but Rin, you discover when he goes to his special school for people with special abilities, um, he they discover he's a really good cook, and he starts doing everybody's lunches and stuff, and he's uh, he, he does, like, a lot of... Um, oh, God. Like, loads of sort of uh, sushi and... All these like really decorative little yep. uh, bento, bo- bento style boxes and stuff like that. Yeah. But the bit that's really funny is he goes into the kitchen to make the food one day, and it's all they come to it in the morning and it's all destroyed. 
and it turns out that the dorms are in there is a cooking demon who's very upset that someone is using his kitchen uh that character the cooking demon's great along with a two-tailed cat called kuru um sure but going back to 13 sentinels yeah. and mainly the atlas connection mm-hmm. um have you ever played any of the blaze blue games john no because they seem terribly uh, incomprehensible okay um because it's funny you should we keep talking about the uh, localization yeah. and it's got a lot so the thing that's interesting with blaze blue is the entire storyline for i think is it blaze blue and i think there's five five to seven extensions i can't quite remember because it's like street fighter 2 just keep this is me just keep pumping for people on the yeah. audio podcast yeah. i don't yes uh, yeah. but um that's also a the background story of that is a non-linear time story and characters coming from different uh parallel and alternate dimensions yeah um Blaze Blue, if you don't want to play it, which is a 2D fighting game, the graphics are absolutely gorgeous, and they were, I think, one of the last batch of proper hand-drawn graphic games as well. Yeah. I mean, um, you can tell a lot of the stuff in this game is hand-drawn as well. The the character art and the, all the food yeah, is yeah. just wonderful to look at. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, looking at it, it's very visually appealing. It, it is. I mean, to be fair, I, I actually saw a comparison for Genshin Impact. I know we're slightly going back there. Yeah. But in terms mm-hmm. of how much time is spent on the art? I mean, Genshin Impact. Yes, so it's okay saying that it's a reskinned um, Zelda game. Wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the characters it's, it's are visually like incredible, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. it's so much better than that game than, than Breath of the Wild, allegedly. If it is a reskin of that, so that's what when I've when I've seen basically, you know, I, I saw a comparison between Breath of the Wild and Genshin Impact, and then when I also saw Thirteen Sentinels Ages Rim. And the food, especially. I mean, you know, it just it yeah. just strikes me as people have talent and talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, um, one last point I want to make before we should probably move on is that um, the game has influenced me to try yakisoba pan. I must find yeah. <laughs> some way of making a yakisoba pan to try it out for myself to see if it is the food of the gods, as this man uh, <laughs> claims that it is. His own ambrosia. Yeah. Um, like, just quickly with Blaze Broom, I'll just quickly hop back and then we'll move on, um, is the narrative is really interesting because as well as being a 2D fighting game, it's actually got a story mode for every character. And the thing that's kind of cool but also annoying in it is that sometimes you, if you fight a character and then make a choice at the end of that fight, you sometimes get like comedy endings. So sometimes a character might have a storyline which is 12 fights. But then at the end of the 12th fight, you pick the bad ending. So like the main character, Ragnar, uh, the Blood Edge, he, one of his endings, or frequently like his joke is that because he's got no money, he frequently ends up getting manipulated by someone to go into a restaurant and they then manipulate him to make him pay. And he has no money. So he's frequently a criminal as for being a dine and dasher with various other characters. If you can see, if you can't see the confusion on Dan's face, I am mirroring it too. Uh, Blaze yeah. Blue has never made much sense to anyone who isn't like fully immersed in, in the law. Immersed, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, it's, it is good law. It's just very, there is a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so... as, 
Should yeah, we, well, just look it up. Yeah, let's 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 slowly move away from Blaze. But we'll, me and you, John, we'll shuffle yeah, away. Yes, we'll talk, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk. We'll start our RPG. Me talk. and John have already had our own private discussion about certain other commun- F- uh, fighting game communities this week. So yeah, <laughs> and yeah, okay. what they would do for their specific prizes. Um, let's. We let's, won't go into it. Yeah, let's let's not talk it's about it because it wasn't a pre-approved topic, and I've not done any yeah. reading of it. But what That's we fine. have done reading on. And we'll go back to John very quickly because he wanted to talk about it as well. Is uh... I, I will try and make it very brief, but uh, I did play some Star Renegades, which is also an RPG. Um, it is developed by Massive Damage and is their second game, uh, which uh, is very pleasing to see because the first game didn't really do much for me. But um, so Star Renegades is available on everything but phones. It's on PS4, Xbox. <laughs> Uh, Switch and PC, which is where I'm playing it. It was free on Game Pass uh, from the 8th of September, which was when it was released. Now, I played it on, and completed it on day one when it came out. I was, It was a very good game. It's Well, it's even better now, but at the time, I enjoyed it and completed it, but it was the 1.0 build that was on yeah. uh, Game Pass and had some things missing, unfortunately. Um so the game is a turn-based RPG with lots of borrowed mechanics from different other games. Uh, so the combat system itself, which is where most of the action takes place, is uh, a side-on field view a la sort of like your classic Final Fantasy sort of setting. Okay. Um, and everyone takes turns in the, the usual fashion. The, combat's, the combat itself, though, is deterministic, which means that you get to know what your opponents are going to do before they do it, and you can uh, take your turn accordingly. Um, it's a lot like Into the Breach, which I'm not sure if you two are familiar with. It was a very popular game uh, maybe two years ago now. Is that the one where you fight uh, an alien race called the Vec? That sounds right. You're, you're in it, mechs, it, surprisingly it, enough. Uh, I, yeah. I like mechs. I think um, you streamed it. I thought, yeah, only I, I watched. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. All right, then, yeah, have, thanks for that, guys. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember me and you were just like swapping music through the night, but and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, it's a lot like that game, um, which was very popular. So I would imagine these guys are going, mm, mm, I'll have some of that. Um, so there is also the Nemesis system makes a return here from Shadows of Mordor. Okay. Uh, so each time you defeat a uh, a lieutenant or higher ranked enemy in the uh, the robot army that you're fighting against, um, a uh, a new enemy will rear its head to uh, take out your party, let's say, and it has uh, strengths that will uh, make it more difficult for you in future. Uh, okay. Just. Is, it, is it similar to Shadow Model where it's the, it's the exact same person, but they like, you know, if you stab them in the eye, then they're eyeless or whatever. Is it, is it like that? It's or is not it... that complex, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, it, okay, so this is an indie game. Like like I said, this is only their second game. The game itself is like £20, I think, which is obviously indie sort of uh, scaling here. Um, you can't really expect them to have the same sort of budget as Shadows of Mordor to do that amount yeah. of detail. Um, but it does borrow from that and, you know, it takes the main part of it, which is, you know, that the game uh, sort of like learns from the way that you're playing. If you're, if yeah, you're it takes using the best one... ideas and put them together. Yeah. If you're using one character in particular to, to sort of like uh, cheese the enemy, it will try its best to try and stop that from happening. Yeah. Um, so uh, 
your characters are based on a um an overworld map that you travel through to do your your battles against these robots uh the robots are coming to destroy your your civilization where have we heard that before hmm. oh just about Half anything about 10 minutes ago yeah <laughs> anyway so um you're on a planet you get to choose your planets you go to that planet, you uh, run around your, with your little party of different people that have different classes and different abilities. Uh, nothing no man's there. guy rip. Um, <laughs> and uh, after so long, your characters uh, run out of actions that they're able to do in a given day. Uh, at which point they will uh, set up camp. There's a little bonfire. Everyone sits around it and we all get to know each other a little bit better. Yeah. Have you heard this before? Uh, it's, yeah. it's from Darkest Dungeon. Uh, if anyone's unsure yeah. where that's from, it looks a whole lot like it. The, the art style isn't the same as Darkest Dungeon. It actually takes on sort of like a comic book style, um, sort of realistic but cartoony at the same time sort of uh, look to it. It's very good. Um, they've gotten some great art uh, in this game as well. Um, there's also a system uh, that's used in Fire Emblem. Uh, funnily enough, Gareth mentioned it before. Triangle so, system? No. So uh, the characters make connections. Support, the, yeah, the support system. The support system uh, round the bonfire, and if their levels are high enough, they um, they get busy and have a child. Uh, oh, and... so we're going Fire Emblem Awakening, where it was all about uh, a little bit like Pokemon. Can we become the best genealogist to create the super child? Yeah. So yeah. it, yeah, um, and uh, you get to play as that particular child as a playable character on your next run through um so yeah i i going back to the the combat itself actually i missed out on something that's very important is that um so whilst everything's deterministic uh you can actually stun and break characters so they can't make their moves at all okay Uh, and so you can um sort of like stop their turn from from doing it and at some point um some points some enemies will do like ultimate attacks where you're you're trying to break them because if you do that they will stop doing that ability and on their next turn they'll use something less i'm, uh, I'm sure you were playing a game with this mechanic in it earlier today i did happen to see it pop up on uh on discord slay the spire oh yeah well <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah me and my slay the spire um but yeah, uh, I I played this game on day one, completed it, and unfortunately, there was no ending sequence, and there were lots of bugs. So what would happen was I got to the end of the game, uh, like I said, no ending sequence, there was a credit thing that got halfway through and then the game broke and hard crashed. Um, and then I got halfway through my second game, and the game hard locked then as well. So cool. I I left it there. I haven't I haven't actually played uh, much of it since then. Uh, now that the game is on one point zero point three point five patch, happy title. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've gone back to it and it seems a lot smoother. The game seems sorted out. Um, if anyone like is looking for a new RPG to play, I would seriously suggest checking this out. I think this is possibly one of the best RPGs of the year and it's going under the radar because it's not from one of the big publishers. Yeah. It's it's an indie title, but it's definitely worth your time and it's definitely worth a look. So if anyone is looking for a new RPG, do it. Have a look. 
It can't hurt. And if you're on Game Pass, you can play it for free. So you can't say better than that. The best value. Premium. Yeah. Yeah. That has just reminded me. Um, I'm going to play it. I've just, I, I downloaded an RPG a while back, and I've mentioned it to you all, but that's what I'm going to play this weekend, ready for Monday. Gordian Quest. I'm going to try out some more Gordian Quest. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that, that seemed quite interesting, and, it, you know, similar-ish, but different elements in the way it works. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, it's... so that was um, Star Renegades. Yes. Just quickly, From... John, how close is it to, is it Wargroove that you were showing me not so long ago. That was also free on Game Pass, I believe. And that was it kind is. of like uh, Fire Emblems meet. Advanced Even though Wars. Fire Emblems and Advanced War are made by the same people, Intelligent yeah, Systems yeah. and Nintendo, they still have a variance in the gameplay. Well, they're different because, like I said, they take place on a fire uh, Final Fantasy-style side on yeah, yeah. a battle uh, turn-based system rather than yeah. an overworld like map that everyone like controls their movement that way. Yeah. So it is different. Okay. Um, I, I would like to say uh, quickly, I know we've been going on a little bit, but um, there are so many RPGs to play and so many coming up. Uh, yeah. Just quickly, um, obviously I'm trying to get through 13 Sentinels. Hades I really want to play and would love yep. to talk about that on here. I just haven't had the time. Uh, yep. Yakuza Like a Dragon is coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, on the same day, a little game called Cyberpunk 2077 comes out. Yeah, a month away, um, a month from now. So yeah, th- there's lots to play. I have and another. No I have it. multiple issues with Yakuza just quickly. But one of the other ones is is loads of people. Have you seen how they're refusing to Yakuza like a dragon online? Uh no. What? How people are refusing to it as a community? They're calling it Yakuza lad. What? Like L A A dragon D Yakuza lad. And at first I thought, oh, it's. And it's really got sort of like lads, lads on the beer banter style. That's how people are now almost legitimately calling it. A little bit like um, quick aside, I, I showed these guys um, an archetype that's being released in Yu-Gi-Oh, the card game called uh, Dual Avatar, I think it's called. And one of the cards is called like UA Fist, and the other one's like called Kukue Feet. And people in that the Yu-Gi-Oh community are calling them either punchy or kicky, or handsy and feety. So that's fine. That that's just another <laughs> Boaty McBoat yeah. situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I actually have high hopes for Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, quickly. Uh, I know I keep saying quickly, but anyway, Yakuza games. Wait, everything must be fast. Okay, Yakuza <laughs> games are great. I just don't like the fighting in them. I think it's uh, very uh, squatchy, mashy, uh, rubbish gameplay. Uh, the stories are the best part of that game. Uh, this game has turn-based combat that's in an RPG style. I think that could be good, and it would be great <laughs> for me to play it. Uh, and that has John gone for the rest of the podcast. Um, I'm okay. But yeah, there's, there's so okay. much coming out. And and there's so many games. I mean, there's games we don't even touch on because, yeah. I mean, they don't tend to fall within our brackets, but one that I've watched a lot of people play at the minute, a lot of friends play, Phasmophobia. Has, has anyone heard of that? I have heard of that. Yeah, the ghost hunting game. I mean, that, okay. like, yeah, no, let's swerve that because I'm I, not a fan of horror games in the I best of days. I can't play horror games. I get too invested. Like, the number of times I tried to stream Dead Space 1 and just couldn't do it. I got, like, that, that opening scene where the... the uh, alien like rips open the door and is about like this far away from your face with its tentacle like <laughs> appendages to rip your face off 
And it's just like, it's too tense. I can't do it. I think yeah. though that's why people love those streams though, is when like people le- legitimately just like lose it and they don't, they can't interact with it. Apparently one of the most terrifying thing is, is it Dead Space VR? Oh, oh God, no, <laughs> no. Well, has anyone, and it's like, if you've not sit, if you've not got a VR kit, obviously don't go and spend five to nine hundred pounds on a VR kit because you're probably going to play two games. Uh, the Resident Evil 7 VR demo. Yeah. Um, so my sister's boyfriend treated himself uh, with some inheritance money to a VR set and he got that and he just took the headset off, put it down. The PlayStation was still on and the game was still running. He just went, nope. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> well, that's yeah. That's part of the reason why it was quite an interesting segue there because Phasmophobia does have an inbuilt VR function. Really? Um, God. And part of it involves setting up your microphone. So relevant to VR, setting up your microphone, right? To talk to the ghosts. Nope. Okay. I'm out. And nope. they talk back. Nah. No, thank you. <laughs> and then, then there's times. Is it wrong watching... in my head that someone should play this game and they should role play the position as a job advisor? It's like, have you ever considered, instead of using your paranormal behavior for terror, that maybe you could go into the service industry? You know, especially in, like the world situation, you're already dead, so we don't have to worry about infection. Maybe you could work in hotels, maybe give them a clean. No one has to has to worry about that. You know, lots of places need wiping down and disinfecting. You, you, you would have died about 10 seconds into that pitch because that yeah. is the unfortunate other thing is that when basically, and, and I can't even imagine playing this in VR, I hate to even watch it, let alone play it, um, is sometimes you'll be just doing your tasks. Maybe you've got to take a picture of some dirty water or try and find a weed. Is this Among Us suddenly? No, 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 it's not. Just no. doing your tasks. There, there is no. multiplayer in it, though, isn't there? There is multiplayer up to four yeah. people. Um, Does anyone maybe you're doing your tasks. No. Okay, so it's like a, le- a Left for Dead sort of situation. Very, yeah. very similar, except that you cannot kill the ghost. No, You just course. have to know what type of ghost it is and get the, the, the do the tasks. But you could be in the middle of doing a task, you just hear the, the bass drop and then a scream. Uh... And you know that you're being hunted. No. And unfortunately, <laughs> well, I, I was, I was, I was watching a stream where someone had just wa- walked out of a bedroom, was walking down a corridor, heard this sound, and went, "Oh, quick! I best jump into this wardrobe." Jumps into this wardrobe, and there was another body in there. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh," he was like, and the guy's name was like, "Oh, hey, Kane, hey, Kane," and he went, "Kane." Kane was already dead. <laughs> He'd been killed. <laughs> and I just went, nope, see you later. I'm like, yeah, no, I just can't do it. No. Um, but yeah, so apologies, slight aside. We do we do talk about other games. It's not all RPGs, all right. honest. Um, but uh, but now, unfortunately, we're about to talk about another RPG with Gareth. Well, yeah. So I actually, I think I even commented, like, I played 30 minutes of Crown Trick. And... After that 30 minutes, I started, I was like, you know what, I need to write down some initial ideas and some thoughts. And then I was like, I feel like I'm writing a review rather than writing notes. So I'm going to try and bet my best to, without referring to the two pages of text that I bombarded myself with, uh, I want to talk about it very quickly. So Crown Trick has been released by Team 17. It was released last week on Steam. Um, and it is a roguelite RPG. You play a character called Ellie, who wakes up in the Nightmare Realm, and when you leave the throne that you wake up from and you go into the next room, 
you see a piece of fancy headwear, which is a crown with a single eyeball in it. And it intru- introduces yourself as a omniscient uh, character of this realm, but it, it can't. It ha- it needs someone's assistance to help tame the nightmare realm. Please tell me she used you- identify on it before she picked it up. <clears throat> no, strangely enough. Um, so you <clears throat> use the crown, and the crown. So one of the things that drew me to the game. Is I watched the gameplay trail and it looked cool. The artwork for me reminded me very much of Disney's Gravity Falls, which I always describe to people as Twin Peaks for kids, because there is an awful lot of like occult and subversive uh, narrative use in that TV show. Uh, I believe it's uh, Gravity Falls is done by a guy called Alex Hirsch, and yeah. it's a great series. Yep. And the artwork, uh, so the crown looks a little bit like the 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 one-eyed villain from Gravity Falls. And when I was watching the trailer for Crown Trick, you see this young girl wake up in a throne, and then she's got a magic crown. And at first, I thought, oh, you play like a princess who's woken up in the Nightmare Realm. But Ellie is not a princess. She's just a child wearing a crown. And you then discover that uh, someone attempted a ritual in the Nightmare Realm to take its power, but it was incomplete. And because it was incomplete, you've been drawn into the world. And in the trail for the game, you see an old woman who reminded me very much of Zebaba from Spirited Away, kind of looking char- uh, character. So she's got a giant head. And I was, I, I started to wonder if this was going to be like an allegory of coming to age. Uh, if she was already a princess before she woke up, is this the pressure of like, you know, one day I'm going to be the queen and I might rule this, I'm, I'm going to rule a kingdom and it's going to be all these problems and all these I'm situations. Be I'm going to be a mighty queen. But, you know, it started giving me all these like ideas and notions and concepts and I started playing the game and the game is, um, I believe me and John had a quick chat about this and it's, it's a like... we go turn motion. So when you move in the nightmare realm, the nightmare realm moves as well. Whoa. So, it, but this, it's this... actually very Sorry. unlike other games which use a we move system. It's very like I'm an idiot. These kind of games, and it made a lot of sense to me. Uh, and then uh, you end up with a weapon system as you go through the dungeons, which are procedurally created. You have uh, situations where you can rescue people that have been trapped in the Nightmare Realm. So when you go back to what's called the Reincarnation Palace, which is when you die, you go back to this room and you can go back through the level. Uh, The people that you rescue go back to there. So you end up with your own series of shops. So the first person you rescue is an alchemist. Uh, The second person you rescue is a banker, weirdly enough. Uh, and you end up with all these systems. And as we joked, as I got a little bit further on, there's gacha machines for spending the gold that you yeah. find inside the world. So you've got gold for buying weapons and potions and items. And then you have soul stones, which help you upgrade your shops in the Reincarnation Palace. Uh, the weapons are very interesting. So it's a grid-based system in movement. So the weakest weapon i suppose you'd describe it is the knife which is only tax the square in front of you 
and weapons either do physical damage or spell uh, SP, special damage. And each different weapon has a different specification. So, like, you've got pistols, which do, like, a couple of squares in front of you. Uh, I currently favor the axe as a beginner because it attacks every square around you. So you attack the eight squares around, and you move through the game. Um, Gareth, just going back to the um, the, the uh, movement for a sec. Um, so the game this this mostly resembles to me is Crypt of the Necrodancer. Now, which hmm. which is a is a very popular game from like I think it's <laughs> two years ago maybe. Um, yeah. And that game relies on you moving to the beat of the music. Now, does this yeah. game have that as well, or is that There is different? no music in this world at all. Okay. So no. as you move okay. along, there is no music, so it's sound effects. If there is music, it's very slight and very atmospheric, but you don't actually move with the music. Right. Um, so the other, the, like, the main mechanics you've got, your movement, you have, if you, because uh, I play on uh, the joypad, if you press down on the right thumbstick, uh, you can skip a turn. So if you're in a situation where there's combat, certain enemies you can watch their actions and patterns to see how they interact yeah um there's some great names as i showed in a, at the D D whatsapp group where uh you can kill like mini bosses which are called familiars and one of the first ones you kill is a chicken that looks like an uh highwayman from fantasy novels and it's called the swash cuckler um good name strong name I, it's yeah, the, how, yeah, there's something else with that name though that just mm, no, I'm not is sure. Is it the cuckold relation? It is, it is <laughs> yeah. slightly. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I mean, you've just you just mentioned that word now, so that yeah. means that we're back in the wrong role play section of the Apple Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, it now. Explicit, straight in there. Yeah, but um, yeah. So yeah, there was one thing that I forgot because it throws to you like the other little system where you've got um, magical shoes called the Blink Boots which basically allow you to move in a grid pattern. And you can use it to try and escape and manipulate your space against your enemies. Or if your enemies got um, an AOE-style attack... Me, me and John can, are yeah. nodding for different reasons yeah. here. League of yeah. Legends. Uh, League of Legends, yeah. 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 For respect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's... But I think the systems are very simple. Like even like an idiot like me was picking up. I'm sure these like John and Dan would probably pick this up and probably smash through it really quickly. Uh, but for me, you know, it's got like the right challenge level to keep me interested and keep me going. Uh, my only downside is the narrative isn't explained as you progress through the game. Yeah, I think... it's explained explain to you you after you kill bosses you find notes and that's a little bit disappointing because of it'd be nice to find little moments although i will quickly interject before i know john wants to say something you find these like green cubes through the dungeon and i'm not sure if i sent you guys a photo but you talk to it and one of the ones that got me was and it made me chuckle, is like the artwork is like um, sort of like a little comic strip art, and it shows like a TV screen with like a, a Spectrum-style joystick and stuff. And it's like you wake up in a reality and you hear someone uh, talking to you, asking you about what kind of uh, gamer are you, and you get these four options. And if you choose like, um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Leap or something then for the rest of the game you get one 
potion to top up your health for the entirety of the game, but then you get other benefits, and then you've got all the others, and then so like the harder, the higher you pick, the bigger the criteria against you is. Please tell me but one of them's called the... "Hurt Me Plenty." No, but oh, one of on. the. It's like I think I chose like because I'm new to the style of game. Is I think I chose the second to the bottom, and it's like you turn to your audience and say down the microphone, "Oh, I'm making an amateur gamer move." <laughs> um, and That's in good. that case, it was yeah. Um, and then later on, you meet Pinocchio, or like a Pinocchio allegory, and Pinocchio goes on about lying. And then you it, one you get options to say like oh lying's bad or you know maybe in the world it's acceptable to lie from time to time, and Pinocchio tells you that he upset a shopkeeper, and he asks you to lie on his behalf and say oh. that Pinocchio is dead, because he upset he said I bet you if you tell him I'm dead, you'll get money off and it says tell the shopkeeper that Pinocchio's dead and you get twenty five percent off at the end of level shop, or Tell him that you refuse to lie, and I, I, I was there like, the, it seems too good to accept the lie. So I said no, and the game was like, you may choose to regret that choice, and I was like, pardon, and it made me think an awful lot of uh, Call of Cthulhu on the, uh, it's Call of Cthulhu, the uh, RPG game. Uh, I picked it up for about £10 on PlayStation 4 around Christmas as something to do. It's not a long game, but it's quite interesting if you're into the mythos. The controls are a bit clunky, but, you know, acceptable for £10. Um, And in Call of Cthulhu, you make certain choices. And just in the top right-hand corner, instead of the save logo, it just goes, your actions have been noted. And you just like, when you know the Cthulhu mythos, you're like, oh my god, I mean, Don't that, that comes from something a little bit before that, um, which is the, the, the age-old meme, before we go over to John, of um, X will remember this. <laughs> yeah. That's always the uh, that's always the RPG meme for uh, that, The Walking it? Dead games, right? The... The, yeah, yeah. It's Wolf. Yeah. What are they called? No. Uh, Tell, uh, Telltale Games. Telltale, Telltale Games. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's it. Uh, yeah, the Borderland games. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying that, that you're kind of disappointed with the, the law being dished out to you, like, uh, through notes that you find after defeating yeah. bosses, I I can't imagine how upsetting it must have been for those guys to come out at the same time as like Hades, uh, 1.0, and just seeing like how they've implemented their law system, which is like I don't know how many lines of dialogue it is. That's something monumental. But every time, yeah. like they're both because um, Crown uh, Crown Tricks is a run based game, isn't it? As well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same as Hades. Well, I obviously haven't played Hades yet. I really want to because I hear great things. And one of the things that people tell you is that the the law is dished out to you in a really, really good way. Like, uh, if you get defeated mm. by a boss the last time on your last run, the boss will say something to you when you meet it next time, saying, like, I'm going to kill you again. Or, you know, well, you, you were pathetic yeah. against me last time. You're going to, you know... But that's a seconds. little bit like... We were talking about Doki Doki Literature Club last time. Yeah, there is and... there is some of that, but the thing that because um, a lot of games do that now because it's good it's good yeah. immersion for you, especially in games that lack immersion on on the most part, like uh, run pay, run based games like these. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the it's just the number of lines that are, are actually in this. Like apparently, people who have played the game like forty or fifty runs haven't heard uh, duplicate yeah. dialogue. 
like in that amount of runs like it, it i mean I, I'll, I'll know more as i play it but it's it's exciting to hear that like because like i said in uh, last week story games are what is important to me that's why i have it that's why i never completed dead cells because i eventually hit a wall on that game and just like fell off but if there's some something there that keeps you going back like even if it's just a little bit of line of dialogue from a mm. from a character saying i'm gonna smash you into the dirt or you know yeah. congratulations I you mean, got past me this w- time you weakling or on dead cell the dead cells now how did you feel about the narrative use in a game like hollow knight um i fell off that game too I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was, it's, it's the, I'll, I'll explain game, to but... you why I fell off Hollow Knight. Is I, I ended up taking playing it. I bought it when uh, the first lockdown happened in the United Kingdom, and I was really into it. But then when I had to go back to work temporarily before getting locked down again, um, I was like, I forgot where I was going and what I was doing. I feel that. Hollow Knight is a game where you've got to really like sit with it and go through it. Um, and I just basically was like, I couldn't remember which way was which. Yeah. And I was like, do I look at a guide or like, and then I was like, well, if looking at a guide, how's that going to help me? Because it turned out I, I looked at the IGN guide and I actually already killed some of the bosses that it said to do much later on. And I was like, oh. Yeah, um, I, I think I think one of the problems that game had was it was quite difficult to get from different places onto the map. It took too yeah. long to get from one end of the map to the other, and yeah. exploring exploring the map itself wasn't much fun. But um, mm. anyway, uh, Gareth, didn't you want to talk about uh, Team Seventeen? Team well? Seventeen. Well, Team Seventeen, are the people behind uh, Crown Trick, and at the moment, the thing I was actually trying to listen to it throughout the week is Team 17, basically their business model is they are almost like a parent company to indie developers. And this is how they're maintaining their sustainability. So Crown Trick is, I've not got the note up, uh, but it is a another developer within Team 17, uh, famous for ruining mine and John's teenage years playing the video game Worms, yep. uh, who also at the time worked with Prognosis. Um, and the whole thing with Team 17 is that they've been doing all these little releases and I think they've been doing some they, I'm not claiming them to be the height of originality but I think they do some gorgeous looking games um, I remember through lockdown playing the demo for Ageless where you play a character who her special power is that when she touches things you can either make it older or younger and you can take, you may, uh, regardless of which way you develop it, you take power from it, and then you can generate a bow and arrow to fire, and you can slow down time, speed up time. So it's a little bit like limbo and such. Can I can I make my uh, stomach muscles younger, please? Um, <laughs> uh, I wish I could do the same. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's plants and animals, not not yeah. humans. Damn. Uh, sorry. Um, um, but. Basically, you go to. I wish I could remember the name of the city, and they're like, "Oh, you know, you got to prove that you're worthy of your power." And you literally don't even go to that. You're just going to the city, and one of the beings from this city says, "Oh no, you're selfish, and you don't use your power for the world like you're supposed to." And it decides it's going to chase you into the city, 
and that was like um look you had to be able to take all the skills that you'd learned throughout the level and put them together and it, it was just crazy um like when you got it it was like timing based there's a little bit of rhythm base and you had to do a little bit of i'll use the term grinding loosely you had to learn the screens a couple of times yeah. for the chase because it was just crazy but it was it felt intense and it was really you know i really enjoyed that uh and i showed john they're going to be releasing a game next year called unliving which uh, John said reminded him of uh, Plants vs. Zombies. Um, it To me, the narrative in the trailer for that game reminded me of uh, Legacy of Kane from the PlayStation 1. Um, Classic game. Which was a great game. Yeah. Um, the, so I think you had Soul Reaver, which was the second one. I had the first uh, one as well. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, I, I, I definitely... I, I had the first one, so whether you loaned it off me... because. That's what we did when we were kids. Yep. Um, and that had some great narrative in it as well, especially like, you know, do you choose to heal the land or do you choose to take from the land at the end is really, really good. And that's also got quite an interesting narrative for why you're put in the situation that you are put in and you don't even understand which character does it until very late on into the game as well. Well, well, you know what else Team 17 is is responsible for at the minute as well? Obviously, you've already mentioned Worms. Overcooked. But, uh, well, I was going to mention Golf With Your Friends. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... That's secretly, like, one of the, the streaming games of, like, the past couple of yeah, years, isn't it? I know, yeah. it really is. Like, it's just it's just a quick and easy thing you can throw on, you know, yeah. 9, 18 holes or whatever. Um, the Escapists. Yeah, uh, uh, the, the survivalist looks interesting as well. The survivalist uh, does look interesting. So, yeah. so yeah. speaking of, of Team Seventeen, like it, it does seem like in the past couple of years they've actually stepped up the number of games that they're making. Yeah, um, yeah. and they're basically like trying they're... to release every quarter, and they're trying to, the titles that they're releasing as well. They're trying to, they're not just put. It doesn't feel like they're just pumping out games to pump out games. They're pumping out games which they feel should be out there i would well, argue, I would I mean? argue that the worms games may be fall under that character yeah yeah like just looking through their last releases okay yeah. so 25th of february this year 28th of april this year 19th of may this year 11th of june Monthly. 14th of july 28th yeah. of july 24th of september yeah. 9th of october and 16th of october Perfect. that's a ramp up if i've ever seen yeah. one jesus yeah. i suppose but, uh, I clown trick actually yeah uh crown trick yeah uh and crown trick the other thing that they're doing that's quite interesting is if you previously bought games related to them so john i got 10 percent off crown trick because i have the ageless demo on my steam account Okay, and I think actually it might just be a generic ten percent off, but it did mention we see that you've played this game. Um, but if you've got Darkest Dungeon, you get twenty percent off. Um, there's, I think, if you've got wait, is that Golf... Darkest Dungeon one of those? One no, of those. I, I thought it, it's, I, it's I listed want... in the sales thing. So on different weeks, different games get you a different twenty percent off. Oh, yeah, Darkest Dungeon is not the same in in this case. On I saw the exact same thing Garrett <laughs> referred to, and I went. It's not the same developer, that. No, so I have two it. tabs open right now. Now, um, Darkest Dungeon, I mean, it sounded very similar in in except in everything but artwork, in all fairness. Yeah. You know, it was it was a side-on, not the, not the 
um, top down bit, but no, that's Red Hook Studios. That is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So Crown Trick is it's sort of pseudo isometric top down because obviously the way they do the chamber art is kind of isometric, but it's a top down thing. Um, going to as John's point mentioned, uh, different weapons can also create stuns on your opponents, including bosses. Uh, and you can create status effects. So if you have, for example, if you have uh, an enemy next to a barrel of water and you break the barrel of water, it will explode, causing a drench effect. Okay. Or there's oil as well. So you can drench, if you smash a barrel of oil and then you use the fire effect from the first familiar that you kill, uh, you can set them on fire and obviously they take bonus damage from the oil as well. Yeah, I've seen videos so there's of a that lot... where you like set something on fire and uh, because you only move when uh, sorry, your enemies only move when you move, you, move. you can run away once you've set them on fire and the burn yeah. damage like ticks whilst you you're running away. You just see the ticks in the background, don't you, when you're yeah. running? Yeah. I mean, yeah. one of the things that I sort of enjoyed was when you've got the blink boots and you kill the first familiar, the dragon familiar, you get a, a three-space fire line, but you can also position an explosive keg. And the thing that's quite fun with that in the boss fights is that you can... It always makes me think of when you're a child and you play TIG, and you used to end up in that position where one of you'd be on one side of the car, and you just did that... Oops, sorry. Just punched my microphone. Where you just do that one thing where it's two kids trying to, like, like finesse each other around a car on the street. I went over the bonnet. I just, I just f that. I'm going over the bonnet. Yeah. I'm getting you. you. You saw too many eighties uh, US crime programs. programs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John played the uh, Hawaii Five O music in in his head as he was like sliding over, yelling "Book 'em, Dano." And I wasn't even alive at the time, probably. But yeah. I've really enjoyed Crown Trick. I really hope that, because I'm back at work now on Wednesday, to maybe get a couple of hours in with it to see if I can get um, into like the third or fourth dungeon. The other thing that I found interesting is when I was finishing the second dungeon, um, is every time I got to the boss fight, I actually play for one of two bosses, not the same boss. Good. Okay. Which was interesting. Um, so yeah, there seems to be like some little run changes and things like that. Uh, I, I do and... like that about procedurally generated stuff. Like, yeah. if it's the same boss, you know, if you just find in a different path to get to the same boss, I mean, yeah. John, Mon- Monster Train, you know, Slay the Spire, everything yeah. we played, you know, we played on our own. You can't have procedurally generated and have the same boss over and over. Yeah, I, I. Hmm. I'd love to to spend like a we we could probably do an entire episode just talking about those games to be honest. Yeah, 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 um, no, hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'd be down. <laughs> but yeah, Crown Trick uh, and Team Seventeen. Uh, there's a little hour presentation from the CEO, and she's explaining how independent game companies, instead of always being in direct competition with each other, they should be looking to maybe lean into each other a little bit. Uh, and the CEO was on about how, you know, she was a girl in the 80s and she was a bit of a tomboy. So for her, it was a very competitive market to get in there as a games developer. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and as she's doing the presentation and it's almost like a franchise meeting because she asks, like, is anybody here just doing this for a hobby? And she's like, there's a few of you and that everyone else in the room. She's like, if for those of you who are a business, then, you know, 
the reason I'm talking to you more sincerely is the concept of you've got to be good at what you do because the concept of the starving artist might be a cute, cute, dramatic narrative for a TV show. But, you know, you are a starving artist and you need to put food in your belly and pay for your bills. Um, And that's why at the moment Team 17 is probably killing it with the schedule because they are looking into people who are maybe a smaller developer and they're acting as a publisher or a smaller developer who maybe needs their experience to help them guide them through some of the uh, the game development process. And I think they seem to have a lot of, they seem to have found this little niche of retro style or retro looking games and branding them really well. Um, like the Unliving is in my Steam like watch list at the moment because I'm very intrigued to see how that develops, especially like um, I- I'm curious to see because it's like a moving tower defense game is how I described it to John. Oh, that's how it an- initially looked. And yeah. I'm not really into tower defense games. And it's like, is it because they've painted it in the right theme for me to be interested? Or is it, you know, there's something about the gameplay and the trailer that just caught my attention. And Team 17 have done that really well a lot for myself lately. Um, like we were talking earlier about Larian Games. At the moment, Baldur's Gate is a really big development for them. It's a huge thing, massive world, already existing fan base. They've already shown what they could do with uh, things like Divinity. Uh, but now they're having to step it up in a different direction, slightly different. It's a, as a, one of my old co-workers used to put it, same, same, but different. So... Uh, and we've seen, as and we heard from Dan last week, some of the issues with Baldur's Gate 3. But then it's like, that's still in development. So we'll see how it goes on. Yeah. Um, and we'll probably come back to Baldur's Gate 3, I'm sure, in the, how, yeah, the, in the coming time. I believe, John, you mentioned that they had made some updates. So we'll certainly see what those updates are. Um, yeah. You know, a greyer option <laughs> to, the, to the, the moral dilemma that was presented previously. But, but yeah, so... Um... So that was kind of our game review, game review-ish. You know, we yeah. we meandered we, we amongst various games. Um, I slated No Man's Sky for a little bit. In all fairness, I have not yet reached out to Hello Games, which is my next step. So there might be something I'm genuinely missing. But uh, but yeah, so any anyone else? Any, anyone else for anything? Anything else for anyone? I don't know what the saying is. Um, I, before anyone we end, for anymore? Uh, I should probably point out that next week um, is half term and there's a possibility with everything that's going on with the apocalypse and the world ending that, hey, I might get away for a week, uh, in which case this won't happen, unfortunately. I will be putting up a video. Uh, my uh, daughter and I did a quick video on um, some figures that uh, are from Final Fantasy VII. Thank you, Gareth. Right, I think you've got your uh, your massive franchises mixed up a little there, Gareth. But it's okay. It's okay. It's, no, it's that's the Final Fantasy VII level up music, the battle winning theme. Yeah. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, my daughter and I did a, a little video of some figures being unboxed, which I'll be putting up next week uh, instead of the the regular podcast. I will link to that. Um, but yeah. Uh, in terms of games I'm going to be playing, by the way, in this week off, I'll be taking my 3DS with me, and I'll be playing a little-known game called Etrian Odyssey. 
uh, if anyone's uh, heard of that. That is a a an interesting game franchise that's uh, only ever really been on the uh, handheld Nintendo Air consoles. Uh, is it based on Abe's Odyssey? No, or Monty's Odyssey. It's completely different. Um, the yeah. Odd World franchise. Yeah, but uh, if anyone is um, uh, familiar with that series, you might be interested to hear what I have to say about it. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I so, always uh, remember on the sorry, I always remember on the 3DS there was a Japanese developer who used to work for SquareSoft, and he I only know this because in the game's description he tells you so, and he basically attempted to make uh, procedurally generated Dungeons and Dragons on the 3DS, and that had a similar kind of title to what John said, but it was I knew it wasn't that when mm. John said it. Fair so enough. I might I might look that up to in the that, that is your homework or... now, Gareth. That, that's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just to confirm for our um, listeners, the people we do see you, 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 you know, you are listening on a variety of different modes. Um, just for next week, um, there's a very good chance that there will not be a podcast. But please do head over onto the YouTube. Um, we I don't think there's really any reason for us to be putting an unboxing video um, as a you know stripping the audio out and putting it up. Yeah, I just I, I love the mental image of someone on Spotify going like yes, yes, and it, but then they're upset because it's like the ASMR of package yeah. opening. Yeah, <laughs> I got the it's got to be a yes. thing. <laughs> oh no! Well, you've got to oh, the blind boxes. The blind boxes. Ah, uh, um, well, that they were the bane of my life when Toys R Us existed. Yeah. Dad, can I, can I have a Guardians of the Galaxy blind box? Dad, can I have Spider Man? I at least trained him well, you know. But, you know, it was also like, what's that, £7 for a tiny piece of plastic? Hmm. Well, you'll be learning how much these are if you watch the video. Uh, also, you can check out uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, Roleplay Life uh, news about what's going on next week as well. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So uh, if if no one's got any more for anyone, or whatever the saying is, Gareth, you, you know, you've already done it once and I've just mangled it for the second time. Anyone for any more. Anyone for any more? <laughs> that seems down. like a no. Yeah, I'll send. I'll send us both all out. So um, that is roleplay life for whatever today's date is. The nineteenth. By the way, just a very a quick one liner. Gareth's talking about this game that he was playing, um, which is Crown Trick. Um, Crown Trick. Sorry, I was thinking of the the publisher. Um, it only came out Friday. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So that's how quick he's he's turned this around. So today, uh, well done, Gareth. Yeah, in- uh, I, I I literally saw it uh, the advert on Steam. It came into my recommendations and the artwork. So as oh, I've Gareth, said to people, leaving. I'm just going to quickly. No. I'm just going to say, no. as soon as something one, punches one me right here, when something punches me here, right in the nostalgia, I'm in. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're punching me there, John. What are you doing? Um, Not on my so, video. That is everything for myself. So I shall bid you a good night. Good night, everybody. There we go. Uh, Thank you for listening. Good night and au revoir. Bye-bye now.